Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. On today's show, I will be reviewing the Rams game with returning guest Gareth Ellis. Welcome back, Gareth. Thanks, Lee. Good to be back. Hello, everybody. Fantastic. Okay, so I have literally just finished watching the Sky Go stream half an hour ago. It was a little laggy to say the least. The first I knew was midway through the first quarter when Paul Hope posted, put the kittle on, and I'm sat there wondering if I'd missed something, but no. 90 seconds later, I see the kittle catch, and then the sight of five Rams all struggling to take them down. Familiar sight, isn't it? It is. I was quite surprised, mine, because obviously with it being Skygo, you think, all right, there's going to be no lag here whatsoever. But to have a 90-second lag on Skygo was very disappointing. Um, and it meant that I had to take myself away from the game day thread because all of a sudden I was starting to see that um, we, we were getting a touchdown. And obviously it takes the enjoyment away once you know you're going to get a touchdown and it's coming in a couple of seconds. Um, so I ended up taking myself away from the uh, game day thread as much as I could and waited for gaps in play to go back just to see what everybody else was talking about um, and see if I'd missed any um, talking points or whether or not I could actually lend weight to some of the talking points. But yeah, I spent most of the time just basically trying to catch up on what was a really laggy Skygo coverage. Um, obviously, when the Neil Reynolds parts come on, you, you're kind of um, glad that some of it's laggy, so you can just turn that bit off and, uh, and try and get to the live stream as quickly as possible. So it was our first divisional game of the season and we've come up against the defending NFC champions, the LA Rams, in what was supposed to be a road game. However, the travelling faithful made sure the 49ers felt at home as they preyed on the vulnerable lambs, leaving nothing but a Jared Goff-shaped carcass. <laughs> what, what did you think of the performance as a whole and who do you think stood out to you as a top performer on the team? Well, performance as a whole, whole defence, really. Defence and defence. Um, awesome display, I think. Championship calibre, uh, clearly there. Uh, the Rams had no answer other than, you know, their first series. Uh, we bullied them all across the O-line. I think it's possible we've committed some sort of criminal offence against Jared Goff. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I've, I've never seen McVeigh look so sort of lost and frustrated on the sideline, uh, particularly that fourth quarter when, unfortunately, we couldn't move the ball, but just kept, you know, trying to be uh, friendly, giving the ball back to the Rams and saying, go and have another go, lads. Oh, three and out again. Go and have another go. Three and out again. Um, I've I've got nothing negative to say defensively. A uh, couple of guys, I guess I've got to put my hands up and say, uh, over the summer, I was one of the guys saying that Jimmy Ward should probably be cut. Um, thanks, Jimmy. You've shown me up for the complete amateur that I am. Um, gave a clinic, I think, in the past coverage on back-to-back plays. Um, looks superb. Uh, obviously, all the usual suspects, uh, Quan Alexander, Fred Warder. Um, awesome games again. 
fast, aggressive, uh, organised, uh, everything you want from defence. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, I think, a couple of the guys that maybe don't get so much headlines. Uh, Sheldon Day, DJ Jones. Uh, these are the guys down in the trenches on those those third and short and those fourth and goals um, that just did not give the Rams O-line an inch. All, all those, the Rams guards and centres, all they've got to do is take a step forward. The, the running back comes in behind them and they score. Um, and those guys were like a brick wall. It won't come up, I think, on stats as as tackles or or any sort of metric, but um, you know they were impressively solid, um, and, and great to see Solomon Thomas get a sack. He really seemed to enjoy it, so um, good to see him getting on the sack sheet. Yeah, so Jimmy Ward, it's an interesting comment you make. Um, it's an, it's an interesting comment because I completely agree with you there. I think I would be in the, the same camp as yourself, thinking well, why are we resigning Jimmy Ward? He hasn't really been that great for us but then it just goes to show you adding the right pieces in the defense to make that that unit whole and to basically take the pressure off some of the uh the dbs so obviously we've added to the pass rush and it makes a huge difference to the dbs it starts you thinking well what about all these other players on other teams that we've covered it over the years thinking well if he comes if, if, if he becomes a free agent we should snap his arm off to try and sign him is that person a, a top performer because of the team around him or is he really an elite cornerback you, you look around the league and there's not that many that you'd say right this is an elite cornerback doesn't matter what team that you stick him in even if they've got no pass rush this guy's going to be absolutely excellent so it kind of gives you a different perspective on how teams approach free agency they're probably looking at that player and think, well, is that player really that good or is it the team around him that's making that, him that good? If they didn't have a pass rush, would he really make a difference on our team? Uh, so just getting the right players in, in the right positions, makes other positions so much stronger. And so therefore, I, I do agree with what you're saying about Jimmy. In the summer, I, w- I was very negative towards that particular re-signing. But the way he played last night, he, he was just outstanding and he really enjoyed it. And what what I saw, so normally I'll turn around and say, well, top performer, you, you, you're really talking about either a, a player on defence or a player on offence. But for me, last night's top performer was actually Robert Salah. And the intensity that he showed on the sideline, you could see it transferred to the players on the field. And it culminated in what I would say is an elite performance by the defence and one which definitely propels them into, in my opinion, into the number one ranked defence. At the moment, NFL.com's got them as the second ranked defence behind the Patriots. But to be honest, I think we number one at the moment. I think we are that good. And the way Robert Seller called the, called the game, his intensity, the way he was making the players feel and get out there motivated, I think for me, Robert Salah was our top performer. Yeah, no arguments from me there. Uh, I was critical of him a couple of times last season where he looked a bit bit lost, but uh, he's really enjoying the game now. You can see how fired up he is, that great big smile under the big shiny head. Um, it's it's great to see. Um, yeah, hugely impressed with, with the way that the team uh, and Salah reacted to, to basically getting sliced up on that first possession by the Rams where they just ran over us at will, seven, eight-yard carries over and over, um, and then just shut them up, particularly the second half. I think I saw a stat they had minus 19 yards 
in the third quarter. Yeah, that's right. And, and if a team gets 19 yards in a quarter, that's been dominated. But minus 19, um, you could see from the, from the, the first down, the second down, uh, always setting it up for that third down and long. Um, they didn't get a single third down or fourth down conversion. Uh, that's that's set up by that first and, and second down play as well. Getting the sacks in, getting the tackles for loss, forcing the incomplete passes. Uh, you put a team, any team, in a position where it's constantly looking at third and 17, third and 19, uh, it's going to end up hunting the ball. Yeah, you mentioned the, um, the start of the game and how the Rams basically gouged us on that first drive. And what I found interesting was Sean McVeigh approached the game the way I was actually expecting Shanahan to approach the game. So the Rams have been all about throwing the ball this season and the 49ers have been all about running the ball. What I actually expected from Shanahan was to see us go pass heavy on the first series and try and take the game to them through the air rather than on the ground because to me, in my mind, it's obvious that the Rams were going to be there. They were going to be set up to stop the run as much as possible. And everything that they send out there it was going to be about the run, the waiting for the run to happen in different different areas, an outside run, inside run. To me, I expected Shanahan to recognise that and for the very first um, drive, go through the air all the way down. Um, obviously, the very first drive was three and out, so it didn't really last that long. Um but oh, we we did we yeah I mean we did rely on the run quite a bit or we 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 kept the defense honest by plugging away at doing that but yeah I've got, I've got to take me hand off to Sean McVeigh because I he did what I expected Shanahan to do on the first drive and it worked for him yeah it did that that first drive um, I expected us to possibly continue what we did against the Browns which was the short quick passes. We've got a, a right tackle, I think, starting his first game in Daniel Brunskill. Uh, left tackle who started, what, two or three games now. Uh, taking the pressure off those guys, uh, keeping them confident, making sure they don't start drawing penalties by doing a quick short passing game, quick handoffs, uh, quick shovel passes, that sort of thing, uh, was what I expected, really. Uh, very similar to the Browns game in, in take that pressure off the O-line uh, by not setting up for these long passing plays. It seems something that, that Shanahan's very happy with to constantly go for these six, seven, eight yard passes, mix it up with the run a bit, and you just keep getting first downs. Uh, it's working. Um, the, I thought the play calling w was pretty much spot on all the way through. Um, yes, we perhaps didn't run the ball quite as well as we'd wanted to, but the Rams defense is, is, is one of the top defenses as well. You can't expect to run over everybody. But we controlled the ball, I think, for 39 minutes. You don't get to do that without having a really good set of plays uh, set out and being able to execute them. Yeah, yeah. So, the, I mean, the time of possession battle was absolutely ridiculous. We, we almost had twice as much possession as what the Rams did. You, you've mentioned some of the stats um, that the defence helped create during the game. Jared Goff, only 78 yards passing restricted to 10 first downs during the whole of the game, and only two of those came in the second half. Um, as you said, the time of possession, only just under or over a half of the, uh, the the 49ers' time of possession. Players all over the defence were coming up big, um, and to stop the Rams on three fourth downs was absolutely amazing. 
again, Robert Salah, he's just transferred all that intensity over there. And it was great to see from the defence. When, when I think back, the defence I watched last night, it, it seemed a more complete defence than previous teams I've watched the 49ers put out. So you go back to the Harbour years, that defence was um, it was basically the two middle linebackers, Navarro and Patrick. You've got your bookend and Justin Smith and Alden Smith. And to me, it was those four players there that were the core of the defence. Whereas when you look at it now, you're looking at all of our linebackers, you look at the um, defensive line, you look at the cornerbacks. I think the only thing that we're missing from being a complete defence is that hard-hitting safety that's going to knock your teeth out with every time he tackles you. But don't get us wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that's a weakness to the team because the safeties are playing excellent as well. But we don't have that type of safety that, um, I think it's a personal preference for myself. I, I like the type of safety that just knocks you into next year every time he hits you. But yeah, it, it just gets you thinking about different defences as well. Yeah, no no argument for me on that. I, I remember the old days of Ronnie Lott as my favourite player being that, that, that hard-hitting safety. I think now one of the potentially problems would be players never get past the linebackers to even get into the safety zone. So uh, maybe we're not seeing... Uh, uh, Tart and uh, Ward make some of those those big open field tackles uh, because the coverage is so good and the guys just don't get past the linebackers. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about a lot, a lot about the uh, the defense and uh, who can blame us because of the performance to put in. So let, let's go over to the other side. Of the ball on the offense, we did struggle to run the ball. Um, 99 yards over the whole game. I think we were missing juice a little bit. You could see how we'd schemed to to try and get us around the effect of, uh, or try and mitigate not having juice. Um, but having said that, we still put up 99 yards and managed critical runs when needed. And obviously at the end of the game, we just ploughed away. We weren't particularly getting very many yards uh, in the fourth quarter. We were just running the clock out. But we did do what we needed to to do when we did it um so yeah i would say on the offense again J jimmy had a few poor throws but i don't think it's nothing that experience won't fix and to be honest i mean the, the less said about the interception the better because that was just a, a downright poor throw but again that, that'll come down to experience it's just one of these things where he's, he's making every now and again a poor judgment throw He'll think about that. He'll go away. He'll think, well, why did I make that throw? Should I have made that throw? What should I have done instead? And I think that's an experience thing. I, I don't think it's a technical skill or anything like that. I think this is something he's going to learn from. And again, we need to remember, effectively, he, he's still pretty much a rookie until he gets that first full season out of the way. Yeah, I think it's, a, is it 15 games he's played now, including uh, the games he started for the Patriots? Yeah. So he's not even not even a full season in over what uh, uh, three three seasons. Um, I, I I have sort of picked up on on something. It, it came up obviously on on the, the the interception that won't be talked about too much. But I I look back at the at the highlights uh, and watch Jimmy's uh, head movements, and he as soon as he gets the ball, he looks for his first receiver and fixates on them. 
and he's waiting, he's waiting. If you watch that back on the interception, as soon as he gets the ball, he's staring right at the corner. And I think the, is it the safety, Roby Coleman, who got the interception? He, he just stays where he is. He just looks at Jimmy G and says, right, this ball is coming my way. And, and he just tossed that lob up, which wasn't really to Debo Samuel. And it wasn't really to, to George Kittle at the back. It was just sort of lazily somewhere in between. Um, but I, I, having picked up on that, I watched it back through the highlights. Uh, and, it's, and it's very easy to see. He looks for his first receiver uh, and tracks that first receiver two, three seconds uh, and makes the pass. He potentially needs to to disguise that a little bit, I think. Uh, maybe start having a look around, find his second receiver first and come back to the first receiver uh, because it's 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 something I picked up on uh, and noticed again looking back through the through the uh, through the highlights. So hopefully that's something he can he can fix. People can't figure out what what sort of player Jimmy is. He he did that excellent uh, quick dart. To Kittle, I think our second possession, third and three, under a huge amount of pressure, he he just sits in the pocket. He's pretty fearless in the pocket. He trusts the trusts the O line. He's he's showing good leadership, good poise. Uh, he, clearly, the mistakes, the interceptions don't seem to phase him. Um, so there's there's a lot of, of fundamentally good things about his play, but he just he just needs to sharpen sharpen up. Hopefully, that will come with 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 more games, more experience in the offense. Uh, and and hopefully a few receivers who don't drop those passes. Uh, Coleman dropped a, an obvious touchdown, and Marquise dropped that fairly sure that would have been a touchdown. That long pass, I think, in the in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What what I would say about that interception, mine. So yeah, I can accept it if he's looking down as number one receiver, and that's why it's intercepted. But I'll be honest, I don't think that's why it was intercepted yesterday. It was just a really downright <laughs> poor throw. Yeah. It it just it just looked wrong, it felt wrong. It didn't even feel as though it was going towards our receiver anyway, and it was kind of just lofted up. It, it it was a strange throw. Just nothing felt right about that throw whatsoever. It it, it felt like something I would do. <laughs> it, it felt like a, a throw an amateur would do. It was just a really, really poor throw. Now that there could be any one of a number of reasons behind that, and only Jimmy knows what the reason was why he threw that ball and the way he threw it. Um, he, he wasn't interfered with while he was throwing the ball, so it wasn't as though it was, it was a tip ball or his arm was caught. It, it just came out of his hand, and when it came out, it, it, it's as though he did an underarm throw and just chuck the ball up in the air and said, there you go, go get it. It was an ugly, ugly interception. Um, and hopefully he doesn't have too many of those. Um, because... he, he always seems to have there's one a game. I mean, he should have had a second interception. Um, a linebacker uh, had it hit him, I think, square in the numbers and, and wasn't able to intercept him. Third quarter, maybe. But it, it does always seem to be be there in his game somewhere that there's there's always this bad pass waiting to to come out at, a, at the worst time. Yeah, and again... I'll say I think that's down to inexperience at the moment. Um, the more he plays, I think the less those will happen. Um, and I'm I'm not comparing them to uh, Brett Favre because they are completely different players. But you look at Brett Favre and what a successful career he had. And he was a bit of a loose cannon. He, he would have some terrible throws and make some terrible decisions. But he made more really good decisions than he made bad decisions. 
and he had a successful career. Um, I hope Jimmy has as successful a career, but pretty much a, a bit of a more successful career because I want to see more than one championship out of Jimmy. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you, you look at quarterbacks like that, if you can put up with the occasional poor throw like that, I think it'll be fine. I think every now and again we get too fixated on having perfection and it's just not going to happen. You're never going to have that, uh, that that person who is flawless throughout his whole career. They're bound to make some poor decisions every now and again. And it's just how we as a fan base move past that um, and put it down to stuff like inexperience. And let's just knock that one on the head and move on to next week. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking looking on the bright side of it, we, we've got a quarterback who's perhaps running at 70% of his uh, capability and we're still winning games. We're still moving the ball. We're still getting 20-odd points uh, plus a game. It's a shame that we're leaving points on the field. I think we've done that pretty much every game. But some of that has been the receivers. I can think of perhaps three or, or four times the receivers uh, have let down Jimmy with, a, with, with very catchable balls. If you add those to his to his stats, um, you know he suddenly starts starts looking really good. If he had uh, three or four other uh, touchdowns to his name this season, um, but you, you're right. I think it'll 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 come with the experience, and I think he's got he's got very good fundamentals in in he's understanding the offense. Uh, we're not even talking about his ACL. He's just come back and and he's pretty fearless in the pocket, and I think that's that's leadership. He's showing his offense that, you know, I trust you, you trust me to get the ball where it's needed. Uh, and, and there's a lot more to come from this team, uh, particularly on the offensive side. Uh, and that's something I think we can build on. But hopefully by the end, these last five or six games for this season, if everything's clicking along nicely and we've got Jimmy G doing more like 80, 90 percent of his capacity, uh, then then we should be putting 35, 40 points on teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, kill, kill was kill. I tell you what, that 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 catch, and when they were all trying to pull him down, that, that was just excellent. Just his sheer aggressiveness <laughs> as he was punching and stiff arming player after player as he was trying to get as far down there as possible. And I, I absolutely love that. And it's actually good to see a lot of the analysts are now turning around saying this guy is the number one tight end in the NFL. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we talked about him a lot, or, or you guys talked to him about him a lot last season because he was the he was the high point. He was mentioned every game. Obviously, his uh, uh, all time career uh, uh, yardage. Uh, but yes, he just seems to have the right attitude. And like he said himself, he's he's as happy to knock a guy on his back blocking for a run as he is to catch a touchdown. Um, you can see that's exactly the sort of guy you want to be around. Uh, and he's he's our one playmaker. That guy who can just, you know, bust the field open in a, in a tight game. Uh, I don't think we've got that on the receivers. Uh, we see a little bit of it from Matt Breeder, that he can, he can get through, get to that second level and just put on the afterburners and he's gone. Uh, but Kittle is 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 that that offensive weapon. Um, I think him and Juice are, are you know, phenomenal. Um, and let's not forget, you know, Kittle was a fifth-round pick as well. So um, something something's going well with... Uh, uh, Shanahan's eye for a player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think either Shanahan or Lynch really get the credit they deserve for some of the picks they've made. You, you look at some of the picks that we, we've already written off from Lynch, 
as soon as we put other pieces in place, those players are now looking like the people that they should have been in the first place. And Solomon Thomas is a perfect example of that. Obviously, for the first couple of seasons, we've played him out of position. We've played him on the edge. He was never really an edge rusher. He, he was better coming through the interior. Um, he, he was great at uh, stopping the run. And, and now you see him playing inside. He's playing absolutely excellent. And I think it's a, a, it's a comfort zone thing. He's back to doing what he, he was so used to doing during college. And it's paying off. He, he looks like that type of player. Unfortunately, because he was a number one pick, once he comes to the end of his contract, um, in, what is it, he's still got another two years on his contract, I think it's going to be hard for them to keep hold of him because they won't want to pay him as a number one pick because he, he hasn't performed as a number one pick. He's starting to perform uh, much better than what he did for the first two seasons. But I think in his mind, he'll know that... If a team comes in and they want them to play inside, they'd be quite happy looking at the game tape of how he's played inside for the 49ers to actually pay him that money and take him. And because we've got the likes of Bosa now, we've got D Ford, and we've got other players who are going to be on high contracts, Buckner's contracts coming up, you've got Kittle's contract coming up, Jimmy G's on a big contract. Um, depending on how other players play around us, they'll be getting bigger contracts. We, we can't keep them all. And I think Solomon Thomas will be on the team as long as he has a contract. I don't think we'll release him because obviously he's still on a rookie contract, but I don't think we'll give him another contract unless we get rid of some of the high-profile, highly-paid players. And I don't think that'll happen either. Well, I think it's a, it's, it's a good topic. It's perhaps a little bit early, but I think that the problem that's going to be for the off-season is, is how do we keep all these guys together? Every time a player comes available for trade, people are clamouring for them. But, uh, you know, we've got 30 million or, or something like that of cap space. You need to keep that because it tells the players who are there on the team, people like Breeder, people like Thomas, people like Kittle, and says, look, you know, we're, we're saving this money, we're saving this cap space so that we can we can sort you out for your your efforts to the team, your loyalty to the team. I think the problem is going to be on that D-line. We've got such a, an embarrassment of riches um, I could potentially see Armstead going because he's he's going to be expensive to keep. Um, and maybe Solomon Thomas might might follow suit. Um, I don't know how we can necessarily keep them all, but that's that's why we're not pursuing some of these big free agency signings. Uh, we we need to keep that money there for the, for the players who are there because it it says that important message to the players that we've already got, which is you guys keep working hard. We will see you right. We're not going to bring some other guy in. Who's who's just coming in to do the the easy work after the last two seasons that we've had? Uh, we want to keep money to to, to pay you guys um, for the efforts you've put in, and and I, th I think Shanahan and Lynch seem to have just got a group of players with that with that right attitude. Uh, it's entirely their team now. We've got what Garrett Selick, I guess he's still around, and Joe Staley. I think that's it from before yeah. Shanahan and, and Lynch. Um, so it's it's entirely their team. Um, and they've stuck through these these guys. They've stuck together through through some tough times. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that this is a core. We can keep this team together for three to four years, uh, and that's that's something that looks re really exciting because uh, I see no reason why many of these guys potentially need need to leave uh, if if we can stretch our uh, or fill our cap space uh, with the players we've got. We we don't really need to sign. Uh, that many other players. 
So it's the cap space, which is where I think Lynch doesn't get the um, the recognition he deserves. So we're only going to go a few months back, and we had some fans that were saying, well, why is he not spending the money? We, we've got a huge cap space. Why don't we go out and uh, try and trade for this player or try and trade for that player? Or why don't we pick up these players and free the, the likes of Earl Thomas? Why don't we go for Earl Thomas? He'd love to come. Just give him the money. Give him the money. Well, the reason he didn't give him the money is because he knew fine well in a year's time, he's got a lot of contracts that he's going to have to renew. And that's why he wanted to keep that cap space. And as you've just said, the way it's looking at the moment, we don't need that many players. In, in fact, I mean, we, we are a championship caliber team as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Um, we need to improve a little bit on offense, but we have the personnel there that can win a championship. So I think he's done the right thing. We, we've got the cap space there now to renew all the players that we want to renew. And we've still got plenty of depth in the team and we're not going to have to worry about cap space because we're bringing them through um, by drafting them. And you look at a guy like Khalil Mack, he's the perfect example. So go out and uh, trade or, yeah, go out and trade for Khalil Mack. But then you've got this huge wage bill. You're eating into the cap and that's not going to help us when we need to re-sign the likes of Kittle, re-sign the likes of Buckner. Um, but instead, he doesn't do that. He waits until the draft. He brings in Bosa which is much lower cap hit than what it would have been bringing in Khalil Mack. And that's how he's built the team. And he's done it the same way as what the Patriots have done it year in, year out. He's built through the draft so that he's keeping the cap space low. And it means that he can re-sign the players that he wants to re-sign. Yeah, and I think we, we've managed that well. I think I'm right in that Jimmy G's actual sort of cap value begins to drop off quite steeply uh, into his contract. Um, I've got to say, I, I, I can't see a role for Jerick McKinnon at all in this team, really. Um, and he's he's taken a, a, a chunk, what, six million, five, 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 six million a year, I think. Um, you know, Joe Staley is is going to leave at some point. He's he's a reasonably high cap earner as well. We're, we're going to have some money. And, and obviously, the cap seems to edge up every year. If you've got your quarterback sorted you don't have to keep paying the next level of quarterback salary We're talking about that's back prescott of 40 million yeah that's the thing uh we did really well people said i'll be overpaid for jimmy at the time but now he's probably sixth seventh eighth uh best paid quarterback that will probably drop to 15th 16th next season maybe um the way the way the quarterback contracts are going uh his cap space drops because it was it was front loaded when we had loads of cap space uh, you know it's it's building well and it's 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 looking good for the future that you build a team and then you, you maintain it. Uh, I think we're going to potentially see the opposite with um, very topical, the Rams. Uh, they, it's not McVay's team. He inherited that team. He's barely had a draft pick in the last couple of years because they, they, they went out and, and brought in those players like uh, um, uh, Tlaib. Tlaib, yeah. Team Tlaib. Yeah. Uh, you know, they went out and bought these players um, and they haven't been accumulating draft picks. Eventually, that's going to catch up with you as a team, I think. Uh, you're going to end up with a lot of, a lot of guys on the, on the downside of their careers uh, wanting a lot of money um, and then you suddenly realise you've got nobody coming through to replace them. Uh, and yeah. that's the, the opposite uh, from the position we're in. Um, so I, I, can, I can hopefully see us dominating the Rams for the next few seasons. Uh, fingers crossed. Not getting ahead of myself too much, perhaps. 
Well, no, that's that's a good thing to say because I'm just about to ask you to get ahead of yourself. <laughs> so we've we've done the review of the um, the Rams game. We, we've talked a little bit about the the personnel on the team on the roster and what that could look like going forward. Um, we're currently at five and zero. Um, our best start since 1990. And I would dare bet that everybody is now reevaluating what their predictions for the season is. I, I looked at uh, who we've got coming up. And to be honest, I can, I am very confident that we could potentially be at 10 and 0 going into the Green Bay Packers game on November the 24th. And I think the way the Packers are playing, they may cause us an issue. But when, when I look at it, so we've got the Redskins. Redskins for me is a win. We've got the Panthers. I think we'll beat the Panthers. Um, we've got Seattle at home. I think that's a winner. We've got the Cardinals away and at home. I think those are winners. And mm-hmm. I think all, all of those games there, and that leads us up to November the 24th, Green Bay Packers at home. So I, th- I think there's a very real possibility that we could be looking at 10 and 0. I know that sounds really optimistic, but there's nobody at all would have thought we'd be 5 0 at this point. So the Rams was my first defeat on my prediction list. And it, it does go downhill quite rapidly after that. Um, that that was the way I was looking at it pre-season. But I'm now looking at the way we play and the defence is a lot better than I ever expect them to be. Um, we can pass the ball and we can run the ball. And that was one of the things that I put in the game day thread. I think the difference between us and the Rams, although I, I was proven wrong in that very first drive, is that we can actually pass the ball and run the ball whereas all they could do was pass the ball. Obviously, they quickly shut me up that first drive, and my jaw was literally on the floor watching that first drive. But, yeah, I mean, I've reevaluated this, and I'm looking at this now, and I think if we don't make the playoffs after the start we've had, especially the way we played last night with two rookie tackles, we're missing our fullback who's been our driving force in the run game, but we still went out and we passed the ball on them, passed the ball on a very good defence, and we basically beat the NFC defending champions on the road. Yeah, uh, and and not just beat them. I think they, you know, dominated them, destroyed them. Yeah. Uh, they, the Rams, I think, were quite lucky we didn't put thirty points on them. I think that's on us. I don't think that was that was really the Rams stopping us. Uh, and yeah, I've I've been perhaps reevaluating what we've got in the in the season ahead. I'm always a little bit cautious. There's always those surprises. The NFL always throws up those games where you think, how did that team lose? Um, and that's what I'm perhaps not getting too carried away with, um, that are kind of psychologically ready for, you know, losing to the Cardinals at home or something like that. Because it it, it seems to happen. I don't want to be too much on the yeah. thing, but No, no, no. I understand exactly what you're saying. Because I'll be honest, after we won last night against the Rams, I started thinking... Watch the Redskins go and beat us. Something ridiculous <laughs> like that is going to happen. I think I mentioned it the other week when somebody posted to say, oh, the Redskins have fired Jay Gruden. And I said, they could have waited until after we played them. So, yeah, I, it, it shouldn't be a banana skin. But it, it's just got this slap in the face by a wet fish feel about it. <laughs> Hopefully I'm wrong. And they keep the professionalism, the composure, and they go out and put in a professional performance and basically beat them into the ground. But I've now got this horrible, horrible feeling. 
<laughs> Hopefully I'm wrong though. Yeah, I think you can you can perhaps get that little bit overconfidence, maybe a bit of come down from the from the from the Rams game. And I think the the league shows you that if you if you go to a team thinking you've beaten them, um it's that's gonna come back and bite you. Uh and I can certainly see I think I think the Panthers is a potential banana skin at home because they're they're putting together a good season. Uh just quietly going going about it. And and obviously with a player like Christian McCaffrey they they can they can just get get points from nowhere, not playing well, not moving the ball well. He'll he'll suddenly uh, go forty fifty yards and 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 you and you're behind. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Right then, it's been a pleasure having you back on, Gareth. Um, absolutely enjoyed that. Uh, always good when we're when we're winning. As I as I think I said, someone someone's going to have the short straw when uh, we we potentially lose a game. Somebody's got to come and join you on the podcast for that. That'll that'll be Brian back, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Brian would love us to do that, to to bring him on only when we lose, <laughs> so we can get all out of his system. It, it's yeah, like bring it Brian. Right, fantastic. Thank you for joining, Gareth. No pleasure. Um, and once again, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, without you, it wouldn't be worthwhile doing. We've had quite a few new members join us in the past uh, couple of weeks and I attribute that to the performances put in by the 49ers. So if you do happen to be listening to this podcast, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. We also have a YouTube channel. If you just search for 49er Fail for UK and subscribe to that as well, there'll be a vlog coming at the end of November, start of December, um, when I go out to Levi's for the Green Bay Packers game. We are also on Twitter, if you didn't realize. Um, so find us on Twitter and please retweet the group account and try and advertise us as much as possible. Hopefully we can um, beat some of the other UK-based fan groups, the likes of the Patriots, um, the Seahawks, and get more members than them on Twitter. Um, because every, every now and then, there's one of the particular groups actually puts up a league table. Um, so it would be good to see the 49ers growing their UK-based membership and uh, beating out some of the other teams in there. Right, guys, thanks a lot for listening and let's march on to the Redskins next week. Go Niners!